if there was just one sermon I, had, I, I could preach, like I couldn't preach any other sermon but one, it would be this one today. And so I am just really excited about uh, being able to be here with you and talk about this, uh, this series. Five weeks we're going to be in, lead us right up into September and our open house on September 17th, I don't remember, um, in the middle of September, um, but uh, open house. This is a series about why do we do what we do? What's the point? And um, I, I think we haven't talked about this in a while, so this is really helpful even for our normal church people. And if you're here for a first time or you're a guest with us online or in person, I think this is, this is probably the best Sunday you could pick to be here um, to talk about why we exist. And as we, as we do that, I want to start with this question. If you could do anything and knew you wouldn't fail, what would you do? With your life, so when I was uh, 18, I would have said be, become a professional basketball player. Um, There's only three problems with that. I don't know why you're chuckling, but one was I was too short, two I couldn't shoot, and three I was too slow. But other than those three things, I would have made a great professional basketball player. But my second choice is to be a pastor who's a part of a church that starts new churches and rescues dying ones. And uh, so, but but what about you? This is a great question to ask and to bring focus into your life. What is one thing, if you could do one thing with your life, what would you do? Um, I, I love these memes um, of you had one job memes. Okay, just so you know, this is upside down, okay? Red light's usually on top. You had one job, if you can't read it, long yellow things. I think they had a, forgot what bananas are called. Um, one job, getting the exercise. I do this kind of thing all the time at home. Like, like we're, we, I have to get my wife to help me with spatial reasoning stuff. Like, the, we're putting on a screen door on the back, and I just had to get her to, like, tell me, like, which way does it go? <laughs> like, it's bad. Um, sh- sh- cool. It's so sh- cool. Um, I like this one. On the road to success, there are no shortcuts. That is so true. And if I were to write a children's book, this is the kind of children's book I would write, just to mess with their minds. Five bananas, count them. One, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> anyway, it would also be, you know, N is for gnat, you know, K is for, or G is for gnat, K is for gnat. It would just mess them up. All, all that to say, one, one job. So you had one job. You had one job. You couldn't do that one job. So Jesus, after he died on the cross, rose from the dead, he gave uh, his parting speech, lasting words, last words are lasting words, and his last words to his disciples are very important, and Matthew wrote down a bunch of them, and it said, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I, I have authority over life and death. I have authority over everything in, in the physical creation that you see, everything in the heavenly creation that you can't even see. He says, I, I could do anything. Knowing that about Jesus, you know, that first question, if you could do anything and knew you wouldn't fail, what would you do? That's hypothetical for us, right? Because I can't play professional basketball. Um, but for Jesus, he could literally do anything. So what did he do with all that power and all that authority? Well, here's what he did. He said, I, I want to start one thing that will do one thing. I'm going to start the church and its one job is to make disciples. Here's how he words it. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. 
That, that, that's it. If we are not doing that as a church, we need to lock the doors and never come back. That is the only thing. In fact, if you are not doing that as a Christian, you are not following Jesus Christ. Because he said, I have one job for you and one only, and that is to make disciples. For you to become a better follower of Jesus and to bring as many people along with you in that journey. And, and so, so that is just so important. And, and I want to say, make disciples of all nations. Uh, the media today describes Christianity as, many times as a Western, uh, white, middle class kind of thing. And that is so not true. It, Christianity is an all nations kind of thing. About a month ago, uh, I was down in, um, at Iglesia Electric City. Don't you want to go to their church, man? They have fun. Actually, they usually don't meet here, but this is at a friend's house because they're baptizing six people. Some of you remember Pablo and Lauren, and they came to Bridgewater in 2018 and kind of revived the Hispanic ministry that um, Brandon Russell had started, and so just reached out to Spanish speakers in our community, and we you know, had up to 50 people every Sunday afternoon playing soccer here, and he'd give a message, and then... They, they took 20 attenders from Bridgewater who all spoke Spanish, and they've started this new church, Iglesia Electric City, and they started March of 2020. Great timing, huh? <laughs> and, and yet now there's, there's about 40 of them from six different nations represented in their church. It was so cool to be there for the baptism. Here's Eber. And he's from Honduras, and he was saved just a little over a year ago, and his wife Gladys getting baptized and saying, we want to go public with our faith. This is Secundo from Ecuador, and Pablo is from Argentina. He's the one baptizing him. And then this is Ronnie. Some of you remember Jasmine, Ronnie's wife, who died of cancer in her 20s, and it's just so sad, but Jasmine had an incredible impact on every one of these Spanish speakers, just such a godly example and, and Ronnie getting baptized, um, just like his wife did several years ago. And, and it's just exciting. All nations. When I spoke there, I said, the reason there's six nations represented in this church is because people for almost 2,000 years have obeyed this command of Jesus Christ. Go and make disciples of all nations. In fact, that's why we know about Jesus. Because the gospel didn't start in America nor did it start in Europe. Jesus was on two continents. He was born in Asia. The Middle East is part of Asia. And then he traveled to Africa, to Egypt, and grew up a little bit of his childhood there. That's it, Asia and Africa. And, and because Asians and Africans went to Europe with the gospel, and then Europeans came to the United States, that's why we have heard of Jesus Christ, because they, they obey this. Go and make disciples of all nations. Here's the five largest religions of the world, okay? Shinto, some people put that up there as bigger than Sikh, but it's really pretty nominal. But So Sikh, and it's, it's the same with Shinto. So, it's not, so Sikh is a world religion, over 100 million followers. 90% of them live in Asia. 10% live in all the other continents combined. Um, Buddhist, 99% Asia, 1%, all the other continents combined. Hindu, 91% Asia, 9%, all the other continents combined. In fact, the vast majority of Hindus are just in India. Muslim, well, that's a little bit different. 65% in Asia, 30% 
in Africa, 5% in all the other continents combined. When we talk about world religions, there's really only one world religion. It's Christianity. Look at that. Christianity is truly a world religion. It is not an American thing. North America is the smallest slice of the pie, of the bar, whatever that is. Right? The biggest. What is the biggest? Where where are most Christians in the world today? What continent? Africa. And so this idea that this is some white Western thing. In fact, the African church, Ben Ben, uh, Robinson is a Methodist pastor, retired, and he comes here. And I love Ben so much. And he would tell you the African church has saved the United Methodist Church in America. It is, it is because of their doctrinal belief in God's word that it prevented that church from, from going in a bad direction in, in a very sinful way with, with bad beliefs and things. And, and, you know, the Korean church is sending more missionaries to North America than we send to, North, than we send to South Korea. And so it is a global, Christianity is a global thing. And you know what? Every major problem in the world the church is the solution to it. Jesus could have started and said, okay, we have a problem in the world. We have sick people. I'm going to start a hospital. And and my followers, they're going to be able to heal diseases and and, and all that. Or or maybe there's an education problem in the world. I'm going to start a university. He could have done that. He could have started a hospital, a university. He could have started a feeding program. He could have started an army, a political group. And it wouldn't have failed. It would have succeeded. But he said, there's something more important. It's called the church. And the church has fallen on hard times. Even a lot of Christians don't like the church and apologize for the church and say, yeah, 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 you don't need the church. You don't need the church to become a Christian, but you need the church to follow Jesus. Do you want to love the things Jesus loves? Do you want to love the things that Satan hates? the church. Jesus loves it. He gave his life for it. And and he so identifies with the church that he says, it's my body. So I like Jesus, but I don't like his body. How does that work? I like Jesus, but I don't like his wife. If I I were to say to you, you know, hey, you should come over to my house. You know, we're going to have some dinner. You can come come with me. Oh yeah, that would be great. I'd love to spend time with you. Wait a minute. Is your wife going to be there? Because if Becky's there, I don't want to be there. What do you have against, what is your problem with Becky? And honestly, you have a problem with Becky, you have a problem with me, right? This is not going to work, okay? And, and this is Jesus. He says, my bride is the church. If you hate my bride, you got a problem with me. And it's my body, and, and it, you, you cannot be, obey this command of following Jesus and making disciples of all nations, all by yourself. There's no way. In fact, this, here's some things our church is doing that I could never do all by myself. Our church supports ministries in many different parts of the world, right here in Pennsylvania, CareNet. So when you give to our church, um, we, we take some of that money, $100,000 a year, and give it away to these different ministries I'm going to mention. Um, CareNet, pre- pre- crisis pregnancy centers. Ruth Rising is in South Africa, Bethesda, um, not all of them are AIDS orphans, but many are orphans who have lost both parents to AIDS. 
um, there, and then a Christian school as well, telling them about Jesus Christ. The Mountains, a camp ministry in Japan that's helped start a Filipino-speaking church, an English-speaking church, a Japanese-speaking church in, uh, in Japan there. Um, Christy Walker, ministering to teenagers in a new church plant in Berlin, Germany. Uh, the Duvalls, uh, also involved in a church start in Ecuador, but um, discipling and bringing the gospel to police and firefighters in Ecuador. Very cool ministry. Um, the Douglases have started dozens of new churches. The churches they have started have started over 15 other churches in, in Ecuador, um, in Peru, sorry, where they're at. Um, the Niles, uh, he is the, in charge of the, the chaplaincy program at a medical hospital, a hospital of hope in Togo, West Africa. And they are in the northern part of Togo, which is the Muslim part. And so they follow up on every um, person who comes to the hospital. They show them the Jesus film. That's the only station you get when you're in the hospital recovering. And you watch the Jesus film in your language. And there are just hundreds of African languages that that has been translated into. And then these chaplains who are local African believers follow up in their visit, vi villages. I mean, just incredible stories about Muslims coming to Christ through that ministry. And that's one that we support as a church. Jake Boner, we've talked about him in, in Kora, near outside of Addis Ababa and in Ethiopia and the, the incredible impact he's having for Christ there. The Simons in India to it, COVID has not been kind to believers in India. Um, just, just more persecution. The government has used it as an excuse. And there are no crowds like this meeting uh, of believers anywhere in India for the last year and a half. Um, but then we also support Food for the Hungry, Children and Families in Guatemala. It, talking about like global Christianity. Here's what happens in Guatemala because of our church giving and many of you sponsoring kids there. Uh, FH says, they say, hey, can we have a Bible teacher in the public school in Kambalam and Shepun to teach these Native Americans? Um, you know, uh, we're, we're going to help teach them uh, Spanish and we're going to teach them uh, about God and how much Jesus loves them. And, and the government of Guatemala says, oh, that would be awesome. We will have classroom space for you to come in and teach our kids about Jesus. That would be great. In fact, we'd love for you to follow up with them and, and visit their parents and, and talk to them about Jesus in their homes. This is awesome. We won't pay for a Bible teacher, but if you have a Bible teacher that somebody else like Bridgewater Church pays for, absolutely come into the public school and tell these kids about Jesus. Can you imagine that happening in America? Where, you know... I grew up in Johnson City, New York. Johnson City Public School in New York saying, yeah, Bible teacher, here's a classroom. Tell them about Jesus. You see, because America is not a Christian nation. America is a secular nation with Christians in it. And, and our job is to make disciples. And the, there's three in, in, the, in the grammar of this in the original Greek language. There, there's one command, there's one verb, make disciples. And there's three participles that describe how you make disciples. So all that to say, this, these verses say there's three ways to make disciples. And the first way is you got to go. And so the question is, who are you going to? You have one job, one job, make disciples. And the first way you have to do that is 
by going. Here's how Jesus puts it. Therefore, go and make disciples. So when we first, I've told this story before, but when Becky and I first moved into Johnson City, um, downtown Johnson City, we had hundreds of neighbors within 100 yards of our house. There was only one neighbor who welcomed us to the neighborhood. She came over, a sweet little old lady, baked a banana bread for us. And we said, oh, that was so sweet. Hey, you want to come in? Oh, no, I don't need to come in. I've seen your house already. You have a beautiful new kitchen. And I love the woodwork going up the stairs and how you... And we're like, okay. I go to all the open houses on the block. <laughs> and uh, so she was a little nosy. But um, what are the chances that the only neighbor to go and welcome us to the neighborhood was a Christian? Well, if Christians do what we're supposed to do, their chances should be pretty good. And actually, she was. She went to an evangelical free church in Johnson City, and she gave us banana bread and said, hey, if, if you'd like to come to church with me, I'd love to have you. She, she's obeying what God says. This is our one thing, right? And not only do we need to do that individually. In fact, we have a signboard out there before you leave, and I should have had stickers for you to do this with. But you need to all be thinking right now, Three names, three people that you need to go to and tell them about Jesus, build a relationship with them, and invite them to church, something, go. Because it's the one thing, to make disciples, and you can't make disciples. We're never going to make disciples just sitting right here. All right, we're never, because we got to go. Jesus is telling his disciples, there were hundreds there at the time before he ascended up into heaven. And he's like, man, it's great. They, they probably was like, this is great. We wish we could be here all the time and not leave here with Jesus and all these hundreds of people who think like me and, and believe like I do and agree with me. And Jesus says, no, that's not the plan. You need to go. And so we did this with the online campus in 2018. We sent five people into a little closet in Conklin. Any of you been into the closet in Conklin that the online service started in? All right, yeah. It's, it was tight. And uh, it was hot for a while there, too, because... Anyway, but they went, and uh, during the pandemic, hundreds and hundreds of people. But even now, right now, 100 people, morning first and second service, over 100 people watching online. Why? Because Andrew, you know what? Pastor Andrew loves people. He's a people person. And he would love to be here right now before the service and after the service greeting with you in person and shaking hands. But we have locked him up in the trailer next door. Okay? And uh, Amber, his wife, is allowed out. We don't let him out. Um, no, we do. And I'm sure in the chat online, they're all picking on Andrew now or coming to his rescue. Um, but to go, you know, to go and to reach out to new people. Tunkhannock, back in 2016, we sent 90 people down to Tunkhannock, and now there's over 240 there because, because we, you go to where the people are. Um, Vestal, in 2013, we sent 35 people, and actually all of them, I believe, came back, okay? But there's still 138 people in Vestal. And, 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 and God has continued to reach more. Halstead was the first, the first place we said, hey, we need to go and send people. So we sent 40 people from Montrose to Halstead. And then Halstead sent 75 to Conklin. You're like, wait a minute. That doesn't work. <laughs> That's called God's math. 
Because when you go, when you obey him, he blesses. The opposite is also true. If you don't go and you don't tell others about Jesus Christ, you are in disobedience and God will not bless you. Because it is the one thing he's told us to do, to make more disciples that are more like Jesus. And so 40 from Halstead sent 70 to Conklin, and now there's over 500 people at both of those campuses. And I think this is a very telling one to me. Montrose in 2010, 427 people. At one point before the pandemic, we were at 550. But, but look at that. We're the same. And you know, I think if we didn't go and if we hadn't sent these people away, I think we would be the same. Anyone here think we'd have 1,400 people in Montrose if we never sent anyone away? Anyone think that? No, because we wouldn't, because that's crazy. We're never going to have 1,400 people here. In fact, if, if we were to have 500, 600 people here, I would call that pregnant, okay? And I know you women love being pregnant, right? No. Well, you know, some women do for a little while, but eventually, you know, you're like, it's time. <laughs> it's time for this baby to come out and be separate, right? And churches, it's the same way. There's so many people. In fact, we're, we're growing again and reaching lost people again. And you know what? In the next year or two, we need to send people away again. And, and we, need, we need to go and obey this command from Jesus Christ. It is the one thing. Here, here's the thing, too. And I, I don't know if I'll remember it later, so I'll remember it now. Say, say it now. People, sometimes Bridgewater is accused of only caring about numbers or only caring about lost people um, and evangelism. And other churches will say, well, that's the evangelist's church. We're the discipleship church. Here's the thing. If you do discipleship right, you don't have to do evangelism. You don't have to worry about more disciples. If you make better disciples, you will have more disciples. Because if you obey God's word, you will go, you will, as, you, as we'll see, you will baptize, you will teach them to obey, you will have an impact on other people's lives. And, and that is just so important to go. Um, some people say, well, I'm just going to live my life for Jesus Christ. And others will see that. And I'm just the living. That's not enough. You're being disobedient. You need to live and say something. Because if you don't say something, then all the praise goes to you. What a mighty Bob I know. What a great Bob. He's Bob's so nice. Praise be to Bob. That's why we got to talk about Jesus. So you say, no, 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 no. No, I am not a nice person. Okay, I'm sarcastic. I have self-discipline issues. It is Jesus Christ that has transformed me and made me the man I am. I would not be married today. I'm pretty sure I would be divorced. I would be miserable. But Jesus Christ has, I, I live differently. He's changed me. It's Jesus. That's who's important, not, not Bob. In fact, it's the same, so no one, I hope no one would ever say, well, I'm not going to live for Jesus. I'm just going to talk about Jesus. I'll let other people do the live for Jesus part, and I'll just, I'll live for the devil, man. But I'll just tell people all about how great Jesus is. Please don't do that, right? Like, no, that's awful. You know, nobody's going to listen to a hypocrite. And, and so that half, we know, you can't be a half 
Christian in that way, we need to understand you can't be a half Christian in the other way either. We got to talk about Jesus. And that doesn't mean we're annoying. And that doesn't mean every conversation you have to sneak Jesus in somehow, you know. Was that good steak? That was really good steak, you know. That was Jesus' steak. What? <laughs> it's just weird, you know. But making disciples, you got to go. Second thing is you got to baptize. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Here's something I needed to change. Since I've become a pastor, I've changed in this. We all know that first part of the command to go is for every Christian. It's not just for pastors. It's not just for missionaries. It's not just for people like Jake Boner or Tim Faulkner or someone like that. It is for everyone. This command to baptize is also for everyone. That is not my religious tradition. That's not how I was raised. That's not what I was taught. I come from a Baptist tradition. That is not what Baptists have traditionally done. And, and here's something, open house, what you need to know about Bridgewater is we don't care about what Baptists believe. And we don't care about what Catholics believe. And honestly, I don't think Jesus cares either about what Presbyterians or Lutherans or Methodists believe. We need to believe God's word. And this is what we follow, not our human traditions. And at some point, I was a pastor here. I'd been a pastor for over a decade. And someone came to me and said, you know what? This church is bap- you know, letting non-pastors baptize. And I said, well, that's not right. They're, oh, well, where in the Bible does it say that's not right? Let me show you. I couldn't find it. And then reading this and realizing this, I'm like, oh, man, I, I, that's not true. You don't have to have a seminary degree to dunk someone under the water in the name of Jesus, right? So we say, hey, if you, I saw, I saw these two this morning. Um, we say, if, if, if you want to be baptized, who has had the most significant spiritual impact in your life? And as long as that person has accepted Christ as their Savior and then been baptized themselves after that and is following and obeying Jesus, they can baptize you. And so, you know, just a couple weeks ago, Jill Kimsey doesn't attend here. Godly woman baptizing a co-worker. A um, couple years ago, the coolest one, I think, so far, a teenage stepdaughter baptist, baptizing her stepmom. Why? Because the stepmom said she went to camp and she accepted Christ, and she came back different. And then she started inviting me to church, and then she brought me to Bridgewater. And my teenage stepdaughter has had a bigger spiritual impact in my life than anyone else, and so I want her to baptize me. Isn't that awesome? And, you know, parents baptizing their kids and, and, and a spouse baptizing a spouse because, I tell you what, baptism is awesome. If you've never been baptized made it your own decision after you accepted Christ, not your parents' decision to dedicate you as a baby, not that kind of baptism, but a, I have accepted Jesus, I'm going public with my faith baptism. That, that is something that it is, it is an awesome experience, but better than that is baptizing someone else. And I've probably seen more tears of, from people dunking those in the water than those coming up out of the water. Of course, you can't tell when they're coming up out of the water, but... It just is really, and it's for everyone to baptize, to get in that, to have that kind of influence on someone. Not everybody's going to be able to do that, but but to have a, sometimes we have, we baptize someone and there's like this little crowd behind them, 
of, of people who've helped along the way that are cheering them on in their small group or wherever. And, and this is what, and this will change the world. Every problem in the world is a heart problem. Right now, there's a civil war going on. It's been going on for years in Syria. Ethiopia is being ripped apart by civil war. They're marching on the capital right now. China, genocide of the Ugar Muslim people. I mean, every major problem in the world. What are you gonna, how are you going to fix that in China? Going to go bomb them? There is no fixing the world outside of changing people's hearts. And that's why Jesus started the church and not an army. And, and not a political action group and not the UN because he said this is what can change the world. There's more slavery in the world to, today than ever before in human history. More slaves and I'm talking real, I mean, slave slaves, not like I have to work or, you know, or I owe money. Like the worst kind of slavery, sexual slavery, slavery of children. I mean, just awful. What is the solution? It's Jesus Christ. Changing hearts, changing drugs, suicide. Suicide is not, a, not an information problem. It's a, I need people in my life who love me like Jesus does problem, right? And I need to know and believe the hope that Jesus offered problem, right? All these things. And, and this is why Jesus came. This is the one thing he wanted us to do, to make disciples. And he said, third way you make disciples is you must teach them to obey. That's how he says it. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. He doesn't say, I want you to teach them to believe and understand and have a good grasp. No. God could care less. Well, that's not completely true. I was going to say God could care less about what you believe. It's important to believe the right things because if you're believing a lie, you're never, you're never going to do what's right. But it is not enough to believe and just believe. Right? That, that, that falls so short. James chapter 2, it says, the demons believe and tremble in fear. Just belief is not a good place to be. Jesus' most famous sermon, Matthew 7, he says, a fool, you're a fool if you come to church on Sunday and you listen to the Bible and you understand it and you believe it and that's it. You are a fool. You're wise if you actually put it into practice and obey it and do it. And this is where more is caught than taught. And that's why teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, this is not a preacher thing. All right? I, don't, I don't expect all of you, you know, we're going to rotate every Sunday, a different preacher, okay, you know. Brenda, you're on next week, you know. What, I mean, that's not, that's not how it works, Right? So it's, it's that, that, but you can teach others, you can teach your children, you can teach your, through your life and through your words. This is one of the great things about small groups. Small groups are designed to be facilitating everyone contributing. So, you know, we're talking about obeying, like maybe we're talking about this, and someone says, well, how do I do that? And another person in the group chimes in and says, well, this is how I did that. You know, there's this, there's this uh, kayaking retreat, men's retreat that, that Pastor Bob is taking. And, um, and I'm going to invite 
my friend to go on that because he would never come to church. I've tried inviting him to church, but he wouldn't go to that. But he would go kayaking down the Susquehanna. And I'm not going to surprise him. I'm going to say, hey, this is a church group, but you're going to be, you know, with me. And we're just going to, you know, there's going to be axe throwing and really manly stuff, you know. All these manly men will be there and whatever. I sell it however you want. But to say, that's how I'm going to go. That's how I'm going to build a relationship. And, and, you know, Friday night in that kayaking retreat, we're going we're gonna to have one question, to, a couple questions to get to know each other, and then one question in, in, in little groups uh, to ask each other, and that is, hey, if you could ask God for one thing, if I could ask God for one thing for you, what would be the one thing you'd want me to ask God to do? For you. And, and that's it. And, and let's just try to have spiritual conversations. And so in small groups, you can say, hey, I'm going to try this. I'm going to do that. And you can teach one another to obey everything I've commanded you. In fact, it's obey everything. I have had people, maybe not every year, but almost every year who are new to the church who ask me this question, when did Bridgewater change? They said, I have heard that Bridgewater is the shallow church. Bridgewater is the church that doesn't really go deep and doesn't talk about difficult things and is very superficial and, and doesn't really... But since I've been coming, like you've talked about homosexuality and abortion and, and money and all these like really hard things. Like when did you start doing that? The answer is we've always done it. You see, because there's not this... There's not this tension between evangelism and discipleship. Man, a great way to evangelize is to tell lost people, this is what it means to be a Christian. Don't become a Christian. If, if, if you're not ready to give up everything for Jesus Christ, and that might mean your boyfriend or girlfriend that you're living with, because that's wrong. Right? And, and, and to talk about, hey, this is, in fact, the only thing more awkward than talking about sex in church Okay, actually, there's two things more awkward because this last year I talked about politics. That was worse. Okay, and then the worst of all, can you guess the worst thing to talk about in church? Money. Uh, not win friends and, influence, you know. Uh, money is hard to say, hey, this is what God wants. And, you, you know, and so, so teach to obey everything. And I am so glad to have the pastoral staff that we have at Bridgewater because sex, some of these guys are like, really, Bob, another sex sermon, okay? But, um, but for the most part, you know, these guys are like, yeah, we want to. We want to, where the tension is, where, where, where we're not supposed to talk about, but we need to talk about because nobody's talking about it and people are going through life completely blind and they're making terrible decisions because they believe this lie that this is what's true and this is how life works. And the Bible says, no, it's not. This is what's true and this is how life works. And, and to tackle those things, we have such an incredible staff and they're like, yeah, I want to talk about that in Halstead and Vestal and Duncanic and Conklin and online. We want to lean into that. And we want to teach others everything Jesus has commanded. And not just to teach it, but to obey it. That's why every Sunday, I want you to go away with a homework assignment. Right? And the homework assignment this Sunday is, who are you going to? And um, 
That's, and, uh, and there's another homework assignment at the end. All right. So, oh, we're at the end. Okay. So, the next couple weeks, we're going to talk about um, open house. So we're going to talk about the different ministries of Bridgewater, why they are the way they are. Next week is about the porch. So the porch is where you first meet someone. And uh, the program in our church that, that most people, it's the first step in, is uh, this service. So why do we, this is the porch of our church. Why do we do what we do? Why do we set up chairs the way we do? Why do we lock the drummer in a, in a box? Okay. Hopefully, I'll remember to answer that one next week. But there is a reason for, for everything that we do, and it really comes back to this more and better disciples. And, and then two weeks from now, we're going to talk about the living room and small groups and relationships. And even Sunday morning, if, if we could change this, for most of you, this is an event you attend. If we could change that to this is a family you're excited to be with every week. Um, some of you, I know that's true because I see you, you're talking afterward and, and you're like, oh, it's so good to, had a woman this morning, like she's usually waiting for her husband, but, um, uh, usually when she's here, he's waiting for her. She's like, this is my opportunity to, to be with my friends and, and my spiritual family. And, and that's what we need to do. Living room, small groups help do that. To, to have a spiritual family and have conversations, real conversations about what's going on in your life. You can't do that at this, you know, setting. We'd be here all day, right? Okay, we have 95 more people to share personally what's going on in their life in front of this crowd. You know, that it just wouldn't work. So that's the living room. And then three weeks from today, we're going to talk about the kitchen, serving. And you cannot follow Jesus Christ if you are not serving. Because Jesus said, I've come uh, uh, to, to, to serve, not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Um, so along those lines, here's your second assignment. October 17th, we are going to have Don't Go to Church, Be the Church Sunday. Now, we haven't done this in a number of years, but we're going to do it again this year. And here's what that means. October 17th, 9 o'clock, there's not going to be a second service. We're all going to come at 9 from 9 to 11, we're going to come here, and we're not going to hear a message, and we're not going to sing any songs. You're going to come here to get your marching orders to go out into the community and serve people. Okay, so one time there was the Greenwood family. They had a tree. He had cancer. A tree had fallen down in his backyard. He couldn't get to it. It really bothered him. A neighbor knew about it, got permission. They showed up with five or six people with chainsaws, cut up the entire tree, and one Sunday morning stacked all firewood for him, split it, stacked it, and uh, he was just like crying. Like, why would you do this for me? You don't even know me. Another time I remember I went, there was an older couple. They didn't have a lawnmower because of a series of unfortunate events, and their grass was like this high, and we cut all their grass for them and um, didn't know them at all. Their son after that started coming to church and accepted Christ as a savior and his wife. And, and so this is what, but here's, here's your assignment. Okay. The easy thing is showing up on October 17th from nine to 11. We'll have some work on tables here for those who are not capable of like cleaning someone's gutters off on the roof. Okay. Things like that. So there'll be stuff here at tables for other people to do who can sit and, and sort or write notes and things like that, um, but your assignment is to come up with jobs to serve other people, okay? I don't want you to come up with jobs at the church, like 
you know what, that wall is filthy. We need to wash it. Okay, that's another time. That's why we have the lights down low, okay? That's another time. But to come up with ideas of, hey, there was, there was a group. They were sitting right there in the first service, and they went out and cleaned up a park on Post Pond Road. There was an area of the park, and they got wood chips and put it down and weeded it all out. And halfway through, they realized why it hadn't been done because it was poison ivy growing everywhere. And they really gave for Jesus. <laughs> and there don't go to church Sunday uh, morning. So, um, you know, maybe it's a business and say, hey, um, can we put flowers in? Here's what we'll do. You have a good idea. We'll give you up to $200 to make it happen. And honestly, if it's a really good idea and involves a lot of people and it's a thousand bucks, that's fine too. Like we want to not just understand and believe everything that Jesus has commanded us. We want to obey everything he's commanded us and be in this community. Some churches are the best kept secret in their town. That's disobedience. We need to go and serve and love. And so I had some, someone after the first service, I did not know this. He's like, I've done construction. We do roofs. He's like, I don't know anyone who has help, but I'll show up. The, the hardest thing is finding these jobs, finding an elderly couple and saying, could you please let us do this? Our church is like, like the pastor's putting the screws in. He, you know, we have to find something. Could we do this? Because so, so often people are like, no, 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 don't. I don't want to be a bother. I don't want to. No, we want to bless you. We want to help. I mean, go to SureSave and say, hey, your flower boxes in your driveway in the parking lot look awful. Like, can we put flowers in for you? Maybe October 17th. Maybe we don't do that then. Never mind. But you, you figure it out. So, yeah, that's not a good time of year. All right. Church is the hope of the world. Jump in and be a part. It is the most fulfilling, exciting, awesome thing that you can do. Oh, before we go, because I don't want to come up and leave you crying. All right. Hopefully I can find this. Um, uh, Jesse Wells Marta was here in the first service um, for the first Sunday back after Jesse passed away. Um, but I wanted to read this letter that he wrote me in February of this year. Um, he said, we talked about not wasting the cancer I have. And I want you to know I've had opportunities both in the hospital and around home to share my faith and strength when asked how I'm handling life, knowing mine will soon be over here on earth. There's an old Christian hymn that says, the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. How true it is. All the things I loved and had a passion to do have grown dim. It causes me to focus on Jesus and the hereafter a lot. I'm praying more for those I leave behind and at times I can't think that some miracle cure will come along, but I just need to keep my eyes on Jesus. I'm not afraid to die. God has a good grasp on my life. I know he's making me ready. And when I go out for a walk, I can't help but wonder if I will walk this way again. I need to focus on the things above, what heaven's going to be like, and a body with no pain. I can't wait until I get my new body with no more pain. And when I get to heaven, Pastor Bob, I'm going to tell our Heavenly Father what a great job you're doing. 
shepherding his flock. I know God's all-knowing, but I can't help but put in a plug for you. My life verse is Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. My favorite book is Ecclesiastes. All earthly stuff is just chasing the wind. That's where we're all headed. And I want to challenge you to live in such a way that you can be like Jesse and say, you know, I am ready. I am ready to see Jesus face to face because I am going and I am making disciples. I am teaching others to obey everything I've, I've been commanded. And I am ready to baptize anyone who needs to be baptized because I am all in for Jesus. And this is what's wrong with the world. And this is the only thing that will make it right. The church being the church, individual Christians being like Jesus. Heavenly Father,